enjoy our videos and podcasts and would like us to continue putting out regular quality content head over to patreon.com forward slash interview where you can donate monthly and in return you will get rewards ranging from early interview viewings bonus clips credited as a producer and much more thank you and enjoy okay kip this is from james um uh, how did it feel uh, to, on your last day flying the Jaguar? Um, <clears throat> yeah, it's a difficult one, really, because it's um, you, you're obviously giving up a, a massive part of your life. Um, so it, it was kind of, yeah, a bit weird, tinged with sadness, really, um, because it was the time when I was also retiring from the air. We did half a dog's watch, so I only did 12... 12 years um but i spent probably a good a good decade of that continuously flying um so yeah um and i was in oman as well so i got the usual send off from the squadron and then a whole bunch of leaving dues where we all got drunk and stuff so um so yeah it was um it wasn't a triumphant uh, sort of occasion it was really kind of you know saying goodbye to everybody so yeah it tinged with a little bit of sadness more than anything but actually you know it was a decision i'd made so i can't grumble about it and um you know i am where i am now and you know it, it, i enjoyed my time in the air force but it was at the time i would either leave the air force and go and do something else um potentially more interesting i could stay in oman and you know do another you know, year two, three, four, but, uh, you know, that time I'd have done, if I'd have done another year, that's six, same job, uh, which is probably too much um, boredom efficient. Um, back to the UK and potentially sit in a sim, back to Valley and do the same job I was doing before. None of them really floated my boats. So, yeah, I decided to leave. So, um, would you buy a Jaguar Warbird if available? <laughs> would i buy a jaguar warbird um i might be interested in one but yeah, what? yeah difficult really um i think i think we'd struggle in the UK. I think the caa regulations in as a complex area. um so trying to keep them flying is actually pretty hard um there was some chat a while ago about potentially getting a T2 or a T4 back up and running, um, but it never came to anything, unfortunately. Um, let's have a look. What type did you want to fly before joining the RAS change during flying training? Um, yeah, good question. I always liked the American gear. Uh, 15 eagles 16s stuff like that um i always loved the a10 always have done i mean what's what's not to like about however you know like hundreds of hard points um and um, the whole thing built around a massive gun uh, that's pretty much heaven if only it was, it was a bit faster it'd be but you know uh, perfect for what it does um did you ever land on a motorway in the bag or do any off the runway landings no um i know that i know what you're talking about i have seen the test pilot getting airborne off um off the grass um but unfortunately you need to be pretty light for that kind of stuff 
Um, I know in Oman, they had sections of the motorway through the water in Oman, which is a, it's like a eight and a half hour drive from Salala to um, uh, to Muscat. So there's literally one road that carves up through the middle of the country. And I know sections of that were happily long enough to land. Should, should we ever need to but you know thumb rate was eleven thousand ish feet long so um you know why would i ever want to i want to land on a motorway um that was kind of harrow stuff really um, uh did you prefer to fly the jag or the hawk um uh yeah uh jag just because and it was great fun um because it was you know it was maneuverable uh, you could maintain four to five g you know if you're in a if you're in a high g spiral from 20 whatever you could hold you know your seven eight g quite um, which the jag really couldn't do but then again i remember my first solo coming back to the hawk uh after a tour on the jags and i got airborne and tilted off did some low level climbed up to high did some aerobatics and then i went right what else can i do i'll just go and i'll do some close air spot oh no i'll go and bootleg a tanker oh no you can't no and there's no toys on it so um gets changed now with the new hawk um but uh it, it, there's still not a huge amount you can do the jag was much more fun far more demand um but much more fun because you could do a whole load more with it um <laughs> tank buster for the amiga oh now you're talking um did i ever visit warden no i didn't um no never unfortunately i went to i think we went to denmark once and that was with our exchange officer um just so that he could sort out his house before he left um, but that was it. We never really went that far overseas other than Turkey uh, when we were on ops. Minimum runway for a Jag? Yeah, good question. Probably um, obviously depends on the fit. Uh, if you're clean, um, no jugs, pylons are off, super lightweight, you could probably get away with 6,000 feet, I think, um, from memory. But yeah, you needed a long one. Um, if we were total plus, so we had two big bags, uh, maybe a thousand pounder on board um, <clears throat> in thumb rate in the summer, you would need you'd need nine to ten thousand feet of the eleven thousand foot runway. Uh, yeah, pretty um, pretty sporty. No, uh, sorry, um, Eric. Ooh, I was never. Uh, despite my looks, I was never old enough um, to fly an RAF Germany. Um, I, I mean, I was in RAF Germany, but as a kid, because my dad was a Buccaneer pilot um, and my mum was in air traffic. So, you know, I was I was pretty much cursed to join the Air Force from the word go with my parentage. Um, so actually, I, I spent a few years at RAF Larbrook, but I was knee high to a grasshopper. So, um, but unfortunately, never, never flew, never flew out of there, really. Um, if you could rejoin the air force what would you be interested in flying yeah, f-35 really um maybe the typhoon but probably the f-35 but to be honest i i wouldn't i wouldn't really i wouldn't really fit in i don't think um i spent well i think yeah i, I i've been out too long really to be a viable pilot 
anymore. I know mates of mine have got left, done a few years out, and then gone back in. But um, but yeah, no, no, not not for me. I don't think. Um, do 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 do. Uh, Vlad Raptor Five. I have a really important question. Um, then go ahead. Yeah, John Ellis. Wow. Yeah, you're not wrong. Um, what sort of watch did you wear when flying? I'm sorry to say uh, a G-Shock. Um, it was a, a G-Shock Solar with the Wave Scepter um, purely because every morning you'd have a time hack and you could always tell the guys with brightlings and posh watches because they were always fanning around with the knobs and the dials trying to get it to – because they'd lost so much time <laughs> overnight or gained so much time. Whereas the G-Shock, it sinks every night with the wave scepter and, you know, it comes it's spot on. So, um, yeah, it, eventually the G-Shock became almost the weapon of choice for us Hawk guys. And, and afterwards, you know, when I went back to the Jag, it was, it was spot on. So, um, yeah, it takes a fair old amount of abuse. Um, so I'm sorry to say for your uh, sponsor, uh, Mike, uh, that it's a G-Shock only, I'm afraid. <laughs> <laughs> no, we can live with that. Yeah, okay, okay. Uh, Martin, uh, how did the Jag perform in DACT versus the Hunter? We never did. Um, uh, we never did versus the Hunter, unfortunately. Uh, I suspect it would have lost. Um, the Hunter was a pretty good bit of kit. Uh, my dad flew the Hunter a lot. He's got, you know because he was in the buccaneer the hunter was they had a twin seat hunter because they had no two stick bucks they had to practice and teach the pilots in the twin stick hunter um but i know the single seat hunter was was fairly pokey um i mean dact against almost in the jag was a bit of a joke um because we had a tiddly little wing, uh, we were pretty underpowered. The, you know, the only way you tended to survive was literally by being the sneakiest son of a whatever it is out there and trying to sneak through, um, getting as low to the ground as possible and generally scaring the, um, the, the air defenders so they didn't want to come down to the weeds with you. That's the only thing you could do, really. Although, to be honest, um, air combat in Oman was pretty sporty because we were allowed to do air combat down to 150 feet AGL. Um, and if you got a, the constituted pair correctly, um, so essentially the more experienced guys, you could be cleared for OLF as well. And operational low flying was down to 50 feet. So you could merge at 50 feet at, you know, the best part of 500 knots each. Um, and then after the merge, you'd then go up to 150 feet to fight. But then if you split from the fight, you could then drop down to 50 feet um, and run away at whatever VNE was um, and before you ran out of fuel, which, you know, given the total only load without bags on was about 20 to 25 minutes of, of combat. Um, did you Jagger, Harrier or A7? Mm probably bai uh, yeah good question probably jaggery seven i think kaz probably the harrier i hate to say it um just because it had such a good mixed load um i would say uh less so for the bai because it was a bit of a it was a bit slow you know i mean everybody takes the mickey out of the Har out of the jag um but at least you know if you wanted to you could drop everything and run away supersonic at low level um 
what makes an aircraft good for low level uh, as in there are certain characteristics and designs and what are they um lots of fuel big engines um yeah um low level is a tough one uh, because you know if you've got a fairly low wing loader then turbulence really gets you whereas a high wing loader like the jag you know you could go out and you barely used to feel anything but then your turn radius is is um compromised uh, i know the buccaneer because my dad flew it um was awesome at low level they could pretty much go everywhere at 580 knots um carrying 8000 pounders in in the belly because they didn't have the drag you know the bombay was um was was streamlined um so yeah i mean if you've got a bombay that's a winner um tornado was pretty good but it was a bit of a drag meister um and again if you the tornadoes used to go from sixteen thousand pounds of thrust dry to thirty two thousand pound in full blower i think you talk to most tornado guys they would have they would have happily given up a little bit of the um top end as it were in the blower range so more dry and slightly less burner because the burner i think they used to kick through 700 kgs a minute or something when they were in full blower um, paul uh did i do red flag no i didn't unfortunately i did maple flag um yeah yeah we did maple flag which was good fun uh, but I never did red flag, unfortunately. But I just I, I missed red flag by a hair's breadth, unfortunately. Um, do you do any expeditionary deployments or steer bases like the USMC? Um, no, essentially because <laughs> I hate to say it, the Jag was a bit crap um, and needed a long runway. So you know we needed somewhere with a big runway and all and obviously a big runway means that it's generally not a steer uh, uh sorry austere so um yeah we we didn't really do much of that and thank god they decided not to stick it on a carrier um uh martin i read there are only two rules don't fly on something's palace and don't screw up um yeah pretty much i know that was the bad old days um there were a few more uh, certainly when the f-16 came in they they started getting a bit touchy about everybody dropping boomers everywhere um but yeah we uh, 150 feet agl uh, was our standard tooling around height um uh and that was day and night so you do ndgs at 150 and then at uh yeah uh, and then during the day if you were correctly constituted 50 feet um but yeah yeah you don't fly over the sultan's palace or the sultan's farms you'd um, you'd end up with a 24-hour posting back home um <laughs> yeah hard deck yeah there is no hard deck you know man quite literally uh -da larger intakes optimized for low level flight as opposed to high altitude and high speed flight uh yeah good question no, i'm not really an aerodynamicist um it, the intakes uh, the intake shape is really the the biggest thing so that if you are going to go supersonic you don't want the um the shock wave hitting the you know you don't want the shock wave propagating into the face of the um uh, the, the engine otherwise you're disrupting the air um and, and it causes all kinds of problems um, as far as i'm aware um do, do, do. 
friendly banter regarding the buck and the jag yeah absolutely he's just your average two-seat loser and i'm um, a single seat muppet who used to fly a um <laughs> underpowered, underpowered two-seat uh, underpowered single seat you know trainer um so yeah constant constant banter but um, uh, also been you know a lot of mutual respect there as well i mean he's got six thousand hours um and he flew he flew canberra's in germany you know the nat uh jp's as an instructor um what else he fly uh obviously the hunter he's got some hunter time and single seat hunter as well um buccaneer for some time and then he flew the tornado and then he was the gr1 when they took over tiled so tiled first came out in gulf war one so yeah there's a fair amount of work that he's done that you know i just didn't plus he's got you know generally i think once you're up around the once you've got to 2000 hours plus um i'm not saying you're as good as you're going to get because you always get better but those guys with thousands and thousands of hours and i is it okay the guy you're going to be interviewing with yeah, it is, the yeah. Most hours on the f14 and stuff yeah. like that? i mean respect because the guy's guy's obviously a bit of a legend i mean he's standing like a legend in the photo <laughs> yeah it's a brilliant you know, pose that isn't it awesome. yeah that, that's a that's a good fighter pilot pose yeah, it definitely is um, but yeah um yeah there, there's always banter there's always banter between you know between squadrons of the same type between different types, between different air bases. So, you know, unfortunately, it seems like fuel uh, for, for the Air Force and for all aviators is is banter, really. But, uh, but yeah. Uh, was a Jag an easy jet to maintain? Uh, was it more difficult um, to look after as it got older? Um, I don't, it, it was actually very serviceable. Um, you'd need to talk to the, the ground guys, really, but. Um, Compared to the tornado, there was less electric string. Um, you know, it wasn't all computer says yes, computer says no. I mean, I know for the Jag, we used to walk with about thirty minutes from uh, the from the outbrief. So from the from the authorizer's desk to airborne was about thirty minutes. I know, uh, talking to the guys at the Typhoon, they leave an hour because sometimes the computer says no and then they have to shut it all down fire it all up again and it's just a bit of a pain um and and the, the tornado was a was pretty atrocious in terms of um maintenance um more difficult to look look after as it got older um i don't think so um other than fatigue issues uh, which we never really suffered unlike the buccaneer which had the, you know some horrendous fatigue problems later in its life um no, the Jags seem to be pretty reliable, to be honest. Um, Kit, if there was an era in history, you could have flown the RAF. When would it have been and what aircraft would you have liked to have flown? Um, yeah, good good question. I, I, I temper that because I know that, well, speaking to my dad, when he first turned up in the 60s um, to his flying training bases, um, you were on you were given weeks of pallbearer duty so that's how bad it was back in the 60s and 70s um so it's uh, you know you, you, your fatality rates were much much higher um if i could avoid that then you know um yeah difficult i'd love to have flown the spit uh, you know obviously for obvious reasons um but I don't think any of the other sort of Cold War era jets 
um, or post-war jets really floated my boat, to be honest. Um, and certainly the <clears throat> the accident rates um, would have scared me off flying anything else. Um, but yeah, if I could have flown a Spitfire back in you know back in the day, um, yeah, that would have been amazing. But obviously, you know, again, death rates are pretty high. Um, what else what else what else what else i prefer the jag over the harry yeah doesn't everybody um paul barrett did you ever manage to do any air to air with the yanks if so what was the outcome uh yeah we did some air to air with the f-16s uh generally we got our asses handed to us um you know even even 2v1 uh two jags v1 we did that out in turkey uh, but we flew with jugs on and you know it's just it's like club and baby seals in many ways um we're not we're not an air combat um platform um she would handle very badly um if you over alpha her um there was a serious risk of departure if you were cack handed so um yeah uh, normally we'd avoid dact uh, you could do it but generally you used to get spanked um CA-37B Dragonfly, what do you think of that jet? No, no, A-37B, sorry, no, I'll have to Google that one. Um, let, me, let me just, uh, I'm just going to see if I can find A-37B. Um, oh, come on. Uh, yeah, let me let me see if I can find some um, some of those. Ethan, uh, other than being underpowered, what else was wrong with the Jag? What was it like to fly? Because it seemed like it was an incredible aircraft. Um, yeah, too long. So it's too long. Weight distribution was all wrong. Um, tiddly little wings. So what they call the B over A ratio, which is the the, the amount of um, I'm just trying to describe it. In a spin, if you depart the aircraft, there's there's gyroscopic forces fighting the um, aerodynamic forces, and in the Jag, it was all wrong, um, and it was certainly in the T-Bird because the T-Bird was six feet longer. It was irrecoverable. You know, they had to put a specialist spin chute on it. So, um, and of the was when you pulled too much alpha, the the canopy um, would blank the tail fin and then you'd lose aerodynamic uh sorry you'd lose directional control and stability it would give you plenty of warning and she'd start shaking her head but then obviously as as, as she shakes sort of to the to the right you then sweep the right wing more and then you 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 decrease the sweep on the left wing so you get a little bit more lift and then she'll start to really wallow and if you keep pulling then she'll depart and uh, several jets have been lost in air combat because guys have had the alpha warner set incorrectly um i mean the cockpit was an ergonomic slum um i know they had when she first came out they had the nav was down between your legs so that uh, i never flew that by the way that was in the early days but the navwas was you, you literally take your hand and you have to shove it between your legs and look down to see where you're plugging things in so of course guys were leaning forwards on the stick and they had several guys hit the ground i think there was one guy hit a cliff because he was just he just nosed in and as he was coasting in um i think by the time i hit the jet most of those things have been ironed out but still she was an evil handling or could be an evil handling um pig um especially with anything on the center line uh you know you were limited sometimes to 12 alpha 
um, with a, a, a jug on the centre line. So um, yeah, quite unpleasant sometimes. Um, once you knew how to fly it, and that took that took probably a good year at least, um, you were fine um, because she would tell you if she was grumbling um, and she was getting close to the edge. But yeah, for the uninitiated, you could easily screw it up. Um, it was an incredible aircraft. I mean, yeah, don't get me wrong. It was it was great to fly. Um, but like I say, just underpowered. Um, uh, Japanese T2 F1 Jaguar knockoff fed to its Euro counterpart. I'm surprised they actually went down the trainer route. Which is called Scrap the Jaguar. I, I'm surprised they went down that route. Um, I, I, you know, the, the Jag was always destined to be a trainer. Um, and I mean, thank God they didn't. We'd have piled students in left right and center all across wales um because she was so she was so bad handling um at the at the extremes um yeah so i'm very surprised that the the you know the the t2 f1 sort of knockoff um you know i i know that the indians have got the how jaguar um which i know they've tried to boost um with various you know spangly toys but deep down it's it's still ultimately a flawed design um being as it's so long with a tiddly little wing um oh where am i where am i i've uh, sorry adam i've always been fascinated by the daily routine on squadron do you have tea breaks and an hour's lunch ah yeah no not at all um you would have well I'm just trying to think. You normally have an early met at maybe seven or seven thirty, and then a squad. Uh, yeah, I think it, there was an early met, and then there was a main met um, at eight-ish, and then after that, you, if you had some spare time, you used to do secondary duties, or you used to do other work, or just generally get your head in the books. Um, and then when you're when the planning cycle hit, um, it was normally about two and a half hours to take off when the planning cycle started, unless you were doing something complex. Then you fly for an hour and a half, or if you had a tanker, two and a half hours, and you come back down. Then you'd have you know twenty minutes just to gather your thoughts, and then you'd have a half hour, maybe more debrief. Um, but never that, never that long. I mean, we're not like the air defenders you used to sit there and draw out every point and every shot log and all the rest of it. I mean, that there's nothing worse, in my opinion, um, than sitting through an air defence brief. It's, if I'm going to hell, it's going to be one long air defence brief. Um, but, um, yeah, there, there was no such thing as a lunch hour. If you you grabbed it when you could, um, normally, you know, you'd have a gopher or you'd have a holding pilot and you'd give them your – if you're flying twice a day, that's pretty much an eight to nine hour cycle that you're stuck in um so you don't really have time so you just used to keep yourself hopped up on caffeine and um whatever few whatever food you could get your hang, hands on um wasn't much groaning about pay and so on certainly not when i was in um i, I think there is more now because they've changed the rules on flying pay and all the rest of it um and there's a lot more bs i think that goes on talking to my mates now uh, i mean we I love my time in. I, you know, they could have probably paid me half what I was on, and I still would have done the job because it was um, it was hilarious fun. Um, 
So Craig Boyd 978, did the RF change update the mark of the Jag? What were the main differences if they did? Yeah, they went from um you went from GR1 uh to GR3 and then the 3A, and the update was mostly software. Um so they added uh GPS, terrain reference navigation, um, and the 3A had the you had an AML C D, a small one, I think, in the no, I think the three still sometimes had the old uh, microfilm um, circular map. Um, but then the 3A, they had the big telly with the active matrix liquid crystal display that you had various approach plates and all kinds of stuff on. Uh, and they went from the T1 to the T, uh, T2 to the T4. And again, that was a similar thing. Um, mostly just software updates. Um, they did upgrade the engines from the old 102s, which apparently were even worse than the 104s, if that was even possible. And then eventually they went to the 106s, uh, but the 106s were dreadful. Uh, and they they were, you know, they were having titanium fires and they were spitting blades and all kinds of stuff because they'd taken the Adore literally to the design limit um, for such a tiddly little engine. Um, uh, yeah, most so yeah. In that in that respect, mostly software um, and being able to you know the old smart pylon and stuff, but um, no huge differences. Um, John Ellis, the attack version of the T thirty seven. Oh, um, oh, the tweet. Oh God, yeah. So a bit like a Strike Master. Um, yeah, I flown a tweet. I flew a tweet in the states when I was about. Uh, just trying to think, 22-ish? No, crikey, 18. No, 20, 21. I went at the end of my university air squadron. I flew the tweet. Um, so a bit like a strikey. Mm, yeah, I think it's a bit old school, to be honest. Um, probably not. Um, yeah, probably not the greatest choice, I would have thought. Um, did I ever consider going for the Reds? Yeah, I did, and I flew with them a couple of times um, from the boot, uh, which was great fun. Um, unfortunately, I um, uh, I do a lot of shooting. I'm a rifle shooter, and I've represented GB and um, England several times. I've been on tour to Canada and Australia with Great Britain. Um, I do uh, long-range rifles, so 300 to 1,000 yards, open sights, uh, sling, all that kind of good stuff. Uh, um, and unfortunately, the main season for shooting um, is when the Reds are doing their Carlos Fandango um, uh, displays. So I kind of made the decision that actually it wasn't for me. I would pick one or the other um, because I, on the front line or in or at Valley, I could do them all. And certainly in Oman, I could just go, I'm going away for two or three weeks and they go, yeah, yeah, fine. And off we go. Um, so um, I enjoyed the I enjoyed flying with the Reds. It was hilarious fun. Um, but, um, yeah, it wasn't really for me. I don't think, um, Martin, do you think the plan big wing Jag upgrade developed in the eighties would have resulted in better land aircrafts? Um, again, I think the Jag was fatally flawed from the outset. Uh, they, I think they did look at re-engining at some point, but you're talking about such a massive engineering job. Um, I mean, yeah, if you, if you want to re-wing it, fine but then you've still you've still got to push that weight around you've still got to turn and if you've if you've got still got two piddly little engine ast asthmatic engines you're always going to be up against it i think um sorry i'm just losing my place here um 
What was the biggest weapons you could hang off the Jag? Uh, Paveway two, uh, Paveway three. You could hang one of those on the center line. I think. Not. I think you could hang one on possibly on the one of the inboards. Yeah, I think you could hang them on the inboard as well. Um, but I'm not sure. But yeah, Paveway two, Paveway three was the biggest. Um, um, Mark one hundred two engines. Um, as far as I'm aware, the 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 one hundred twos and one hundred fours were pretty reliable. Um, I very rarely had problems with them, um, and because they weren't, there was no sort of Faydeck or anything. Um, you could kind of get around any start problems they had with just a little bit of throttle and you know waiting until you advance the HP cock and stuff like this. So um, unfortunately, the one hundred twos were just massively underpowered. I never flew with them, thank God. I only ever flew with one hundred fours and one hundred sixes. So yeah, and they were pretty reliable, and as was the Jag in general, really. Um, just to interrupt you there quickly, Kip. I'm just going to tell everyone we're going to go until eight o'clock. If you're fine with that, Kip. Yeah, that'll be fine. Um, no Perfect. problem at all. Um, yeah, uh, so uh, combat like against helicopters in the JAG. Um, we didn't really do it, um, essentially because we had a turning radius the size of Norfolk. Um, so you needed something a little bit more manoeuvrable um, against helicopters. And, and from what I understand, if you saw a helicopter and you could go, you could, you could fly over the top of it, um all you used to do was just uh, fly over the top of it as fast and as low as you could and then pull up i mean if you could go supersonic over the top that's great because then you'd get the shock wave through the blades and um i think you know not having never done it but the air, air defenders were saying that that's another way to kill them if you if you can't get a decent shot off um but yeah we never used to do it because you know you'd see them you'd you'd turn around and then you come back again and you go where the hell are they gone? So it was a bit of a waste of our time, really, and of theirs, because really you're both trying to get something out of it, um, and if neither party gets anything out of it, it's kind of useless training, really. Up, um, oh, Mike. How you doing? Uh, if a fast force in your day was a band, what was le what was the lead singer, lead guitar, bass player, and drummer, including someone playing with Norman somewhere? Ah, um, uh, yeah, we were ACDC. Yeah, the, the 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 Jag Force was a really good force to be part of. You know, everybody there was very little infighting, um, and ninety nine percent of the people on the Jag Force were good were good eggs. You know, they were really good good lads. There was the odd one who was a bit of a you know, there's always one, um, but most of them were just really good guys. Um, even on the other squadrons, you know. Um, but yeah, oh, totally ACDC. Um, yeah, well, the air defenders get, yeah, yeah James, and you just get patches for formation flying. Well, that's kind of all they do, really, because they don't do a proper job. Um, sorry for this question, but where in the world, UK, did you fly the Jag? What was the most impressive and enjoyable? Um, yeah, mostly Europe. Uh, obviously, Oman flew uh, Alaska, Canada. Never really flew in the States um, to any great extent. Um, I loved flying in the Middle East. That was great fun, essentially, because the rules were so lax. You know, snorting around at 50 foot was brilliant fun um, over the desert. Um, uh, sorry, yeah, Alaska was, we went there for Cope Thunder. Um, that was pretty sporty because it was, you're 5,000 feet up in places and it was, it was a bit, 
it, it was a bit more demanding and the weather could turn like that. So that was, that was great fun. Um, but certainly a little bit more demanding if the weather was cack. Um, <laughs> and now James play nice. Yeah, absolutely. Paul, um, what was the autopilot in the Jag? Uh, yeah, it didn't have one. Um, so that's that one answered. Uh, what engine do you think would be more suitable for the Jag? No idea. Something with more power, really. I know they looked at re-engineing it, but the trouble is when you start getting stuff like that, bigger frames, you know, whole rear end redesign, you may as well just scrap it and buy second hand F-16s and upgrade the, um, you know, uh, upgrade the uh, the software and the kit on board. You know, you've got a far more capable jet there. Uh, did the Jag have any aerobatic capability? And was there ever a time on flying? Just chuck it in the sky purely for fun of it. Uh, there used to be the 16 squadron in the OCU used to run the display. Um, but again, because it used to have a turn radius the size of Norfolk, it was just never that amazing. You know, you, you see the the typhoons and Rafales and, you know, the modern day Russian stuff. And, and that's impressive. You know, one high speed pass with a Jag and you got to wait five minutes for it to turn around and come back again. Um, but yeah, I mean, we used to, we used to fly it. We used to do aerobatics in it purely because it was good lead into air combat. You know, if you're going to roll over and pull through, you've got to know the limitations of the aircraft. Um, so yeah, we did just for the fun of it every once in a while. Uh, speaking of long range shooting rifle, uh, we use um, essentially 308 Martin, um, 7.62 by 51. It's really the only thing that we're allowed to, or that is commonly used in target rifle in the UK. Um, you can do F class, which is like free class, where you're allowed bigger calibers and you make your own bullets and all this kind of BS. But um, yeah, we just use 308. Um, but it's really the it's the choice of barrel and the twist in the barrel and the choice of action that kind of makes a difference, really. Um, so, yeah, 308. Uh, and I use a, a quad lock. In fact, I've got two uh, quad locks, which are made by RPA. Um, they're pretty good. They shoot better than I do. So I've got no reason to change them. Um, let me see. I did hear a rumor that in the 90s, the RF was going to do the X-16 to replace the Jag. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah, if they'd have, if they'd have replaced the um, Jag with the F-16, yeah, I'd, I'd probably still be in today. Um, yeah, it's far more capable jet. It's got an AI radar, a single seat, you know. It can turn right up its own bum hole, and it can carry, you know, far more than the Jag could. So, um, yeah, I, it's a lovely jet. Uh, the Vig and Guidance System to use radar ground fixes updates. Um, the only uh, ground fixes that we used initially would be through the Laser Ranger. So you'd have a pre-planned um, fix with a lat long against it, and you'd it would come up in your head-up display, and then you'd fire the laser at it, and that would give you a – you'd then move. It, so it would come up. You could then move where the fix cross was, to where it was supposed to be through your head-up display, and then you'd fix, and that would update the inertial nav system. Um, but the thing was, with terrain reference navigation and GPS, it was all blended together, um, and you, you know, you didn't need to fix. The thing was accurate to a few meters. Um, hey, I won't have anything said about Norfolk. It's a great place to be. Um, 
What was the funniest, dumbest reason someone got reprimanded for? Uh, um, yeah. In flying training, well, I don't know what the um, limit of statutes is on, on that, but um, somebody got reprimanded for. Oh, the dumbest thing was a guy who qualified. I think he was a, he was a Kiwi. Uh, he came from the Skyhawk, and he went to do air combat. And because of the way the Jag fuel system is, if you burned down too much and didn't allow the tank, the wing tanks to feed in the wing and the drop tanks to feed into the center tanks, you could essentially lose all you wouldn't be able to get to the the, the fuel in the in the um in the drops and the wings um and essentially he didn't pay any attention to that and almost flamed out um over the north sea uh, he pretty much had to glide back in using minimal fuel yeah that's one of the, that's one of the dumbest ones i've seen because um, it's well known you know uh, and he just they, they just fought for too long and the, the air pressure that you use to transfer from the drops into the centers um, can't keep up. So you do have to stop every once in a while. And then they just didn't. They just kept fighting. And this guy, you know, ended up almost flaming out and cost, almost cost us a, a jet. So, um, yeah. Um, F404, small factor engines. Yeah, possibly. Um, it still requires a huge amount of redesign um plus you know plus the you've then got to think well if i've up if i've uprated the engines are obviously burning more so you then reduce your endurance potentially um i think they looked at all the options and just decided it just really wasn't worth it and that's why we ended up with the 106s which were uprated adores to give a little bit more thrust but to be honest by by that time i think the jag had reached the end of its useful life in many ways and, and it was you know it was going to be phased out anyway um these jag have its own flying forms characteristics um not all of them but some of them were known as rocket ships uh and some of them were known as pigs we had uh, one called golf uh, one was golf charlie and i remember it to this day because it was an absolute slug um i mean they ripped the engines out of that thing so many times and, and bench tested them uh that they you know, because they, they thought there was something wrong with it. Um, and they took the engines out, tested them, they tested fine, put them back in Golf Charlie, and she was a total pig. So, yeah. Um, but you, you sometimes had a rocket ship and you sometimes had a pig. It's just the way it was, really. Uh, S1615 longevity over the Yeah, yeah. Totally ease of upgrading. You know, you can take it. You can take the donk out of the sixteen, uh, and you can upgrade it. And then you can take the black boxes out, and you can upgrade those for more stuff. Um, I, I think that more modular um, ability has meant that they can, you know, stay stay current and, and stay ahead of the game. Really. Um, do, 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 do you think the F-35 Typhoon do or will do much lower level? No, not really. Um, they'll do it just to stay current um, because it's a real it's a real skill. Uh, I mean, just ask the air defenders. They don't like doing low level. Um, none of the air defenders at Valley like doing low level because um, it used to scare them. Uh, you know, funking around in really punk weather, you know, that's a real skill. Um, but I think they don't really need to. 
You know, they've got a big old radar. They can sweep their way in at medium level, drop a PGM on GPS, and then come home. There's no real need to snort around and put yourself in danger with, um, you know, uh, low-level SAM systems. Um, uh, yeah, I think we've had this one. Yeah, it was hard. It was hard, sad, walking away. Um, yeah, definitely. Um, because not only that, you're also... I was stepping out of the Air Force as well. So not only will you never fly a fast jet again, but you're also out of the system as well. So you kind of institutionalized and, you know, you've now got to make it in the real world. So, yeah, it was definitely tough. Um, how advanced was the HMS? Uh, not particularly. Um, it was fairly basic, but it was really useful. You know, you could slew the, um, uh, you could slew the nine Lima head. Um mostly useful for air to ground cars as well um so if you're doing cars you and if you couldn't see it the hms would guide you in uh, but it was pretty basic but it had its it definitely had its uses um, um uh, it's old hat now um it, it you could you slew the nine lima you could slew the vicon pod you could use it to take a regress so if you saw something on the ground you could you could look at it and you could hit a regress and it would take a lot long of what you're looking at give or take uh, um that's pretty much all actually um what can you put on top of the wing yeah winders <clears throat> uh fuel tanks were the lightning um but yeah you could stick winders on there that was the only that was the only place uh for the uk they'd have overwing overwing allows um hey okay, now where is saber 22 <clears throat> uh an FA-18F had a hard transfer issue after a botched refueling flamed out two miles before the carrier. Oh, stinger. Yeah, no, totally. It, you know, fuel is a basic. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I was pretty, um, I was pretty paranoid about it, to be honest, um, and it served me well through my time. Um, <clears throat> as you say, the Jag was underpowered. Would it be better from the start with a big single afterburner? Um, engine such as a spay Ooh. yeah potentially uh, but then you're in a single engine and you're in a single engine machine i you know uh, i know people joke about the jag saying um if one engine goes it's okay because the other one will take you to the crash site um but at least you've got another one you can stay airborne on a single engine um but if you've only got a single engine and it goes you boned so most guys given the option of giving the option of one or two engines would take two if the option is there for three they'd have three you know it's uh, that's a pilot thing if it was possible from a standing start lightning might want more typhoon to win a climbing race uh i think typhoon uh to be honest it's got a bigger wing it's just it's phenomenal um i, I it is my guess i would say uh, plus you've got i don't know 40 years of development um uh, i think ethan other jag what other aircraft you flown what was best to fly uh let's see i've flown the tweet i've flown the talon the t38 um but that was before i'd really gone through flying training so i couldn't really comment um obviously i flew the hawks instructor the Takano was a dog uh flew the bulldog which was hilarious um so really the only things uh, you know are oh, flown a tornado um from from the back uh which is a big old bus actually um good fun lots of gear but again two people so um 
So, yeah, I mean, the Hawk, if you just want to snort around at low level and pull lots of G, the Hawk is the best one for it. But if you actually want to go and do something and, you know, I, I enjoyed the Jag because it was very, it was demanding, um, you know, and I, I liked all the things you could do with it. Eventually, it, could, it was quite a capable jet. I mean, not as capable as, you know, a lot of the modern stuff, but you're, you're taking a quite an old jet, poor performing, and you're trying to make it do better things. Um, which made it more demanding in many ways. And I think, like I said, I said before, I think it had reached the end of its evolution. It was going to go out anyway. Um, here, the USMC Harry Pine retired and brought his own Sea Harry surplus fluid. Step away for too long. <laughs> I haven't. I mean, he's obviously got money to burn if he wants to fly a Sea Harry. But uh, uh, did you have to roll inverted when firing winders? Nope, absolutely not. Um, you could slew them with the um, with the HMS. I fired at a Jindy um, on APC um, out of Valley, um, and it, I was firing over to the left, and the winder was on the right. So this thing got the growl. You fox two, and time slows down because you hit the tit, and you go, "Oh, it hasn't gone." I wonder what. And then this thing launches off like a scalded cat, goes forward, I don't know, <clears throat> thousand feet, and then takes a hard left in front of you. Um, so yeah, you, it's fine. Yeah. I think there were some G limits, but, um, really the, the big thing with the flare pack was just making sure you had the, um, uh, you, you had the growl uh, and the tone on the flare pack and not on the Jindy. <laughs> they lost enough drones that way. Yeah. Um, Craig, boys, nine, seven, eight was a Jag ever equipped for the atomic roll. Yes, it was. Um, but that was phased out. They did have what they used to call special weapons. Um, but fortunately, that was phased out before I ever got there, which, uh, thank God, because dealing with dealing with nukes apparently, you know, was a nightmare. Uh, you know, you always used to have live armed guards, and if you did something wrong, they'd be pointing a weapon in your face. It's like, pff, that's way too much stress for me. Um, uh, yep, yeah, no worries. Hughes J, 1975. What was up with the Takano? Oh God, it was a, it was built by the Irish to a cost and not a quality. Um, it was just a dreadful machine. I mean, nice in some respects, a twelve hundred horsepower turboprop, so he had loads of power. But it was just a, yeah, it was just not. I don't think any two were the same. Um, so yeah, and I didn't like the slipstream as well. As you're trundling down the runway, start off loads of grunt, and the slipstream is very tightly wound, and then as you accelerate the slipstream stretches like a spring. So it then starts to send you one way with the rudder. So you have to trim one way and then it goes the other way. And so, you know, all the way down the runway, you're kind of playing with a rudder trim. And I understand that they actually, the RAF paid, they paid to take out the auto rudder trim. So it's like, Oh my God, because they just want to make life difficult for the student. <laughs> Never mind. Uh, do you think the need for two engines is somewhat, less now uh f-35 is a lot more reliable and damage in older engines yeah possibly um uh, yeah the, i mean yeah the um yeah the newer engines are you know more reliable but still if you take a big bird down the front uh you know you, you're still not going anywhere fairly quickly other than out the canopy um i know you can pfl uh, an f-16 um, but you've got to be in the right space in order to, to do it. Um, but, um, yeah, uh, possibly, possibly.
have I read Jaguar Boys? I don't think I have, to be honest. Um, I need to, um, yeah, I probably should get that one, actually, see if it makes any sense to me. Uh, Martin, if Cold War was ever to go hot, where would you have diverted after weapons delivery and what weapons delivery profiles would you have used? Um, well, I mean, um, yeah, good question. I mean, mostly that was Germany. You know, those were the German, those were the Germany squadrons. And if they were carrying special weapons, I don't think they actually had a return base plan. Um, certainly not talking to my dad. Um, he said, you know, it was go over there. Normally, <clears throat> uh, if you're going to release something like that, it would be a toss profile uh, or a loft because you want to be able to oik it and throw it as far as possible um, and then get the hell out of Dodge before the thing goes banag. Um, so, yeah. Um. <laughs> ah, the legendary Takano. Uh, Jet-like handling, yeah, or B, not at all. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Um, do you do any flying today? Yeah, I've, <laughs> bizarrely, I fly auto gyros, and I'm, I'm an instructor on gyros. Um, I fly out of to Weston near Silverstone, um, but I'm, I'm talking to a bunch of guys involved in uh, sensors um, and anti-poaching as well at the moment. Um, so potentially Africa, but also <clears throat> looking at maybe coastal patrols for um, illegal fishing and stuff like that, I think is a, a place where gyros might be useful. Um, and I mean, it, it doesn't get more raw than a gyro uh, in many ways. It's, um, you know, it really is stick and rudder type stuff. Um, it's kind of fun. Um, and I won't be instructing forever because I want to go on and do different things. But um, yeah, that's that's pretty much it. But I will be getting my fixed wing CPL as well, hopefully fairly shortly. Um, where in the world was your favourite low level flying? Uh, yeah, I loved fly low flying in Oman, day or night. That was great fun. Um, certainly around around Muscat with the Jebel, uh, Jebel Shams, places like that, essentially huge mountains and you could snort down the little valleys. That was good fun. And, and Alaska was pretty awesome as well. Um, do, 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 do. Um, boom, boom. Did you get combat in the Jag? Um, the only combat we had was doing uh, resonant, resonant North. So flying over Iraq doing um, reconnaissance. Um, but we'd still get shot at, you know, uh, um, there was still lots of ideas of Sam traps and, um, triple A and stuff. So yeah, it was fairly sporty. Um, pilot told me many years ago, some of the Takanos were slightly different. Yeah. Yeah. They, um, were slightly different spec. Is that, um, yeah, potentially. I I know that the, the super Takano, uh, which has got all the weapons and stuff on it, um, was, pretty spiffy i believe we've now bought a bunch of texans um which are going to be based at valley um and they're i think they're beachcraft or they're a, a knockoff version of the pc21 which is a pretty uh special machine uh, and it's pretty cool actually so way better than the Takano, which was a bit of a dog um how much is a gyro chopper license um yeah good question um PPL, if you've if you've got flying experience and you've held a license already, you need 25 hours, um, at about 150 an hour. Uh, can't do the maths. Two and a half plus a bit, 
so just under four grand. Um, any work flying gyro choppers? Yeah, potentially in Africa. There's some anti-poaching stuff going on. Um, you can't really fly commercial in the UK unless you've got your CPLG, and that's quite expensive. And there's only one aircraft, which is a C of A aircraft that you can fly, which is very expensive. You know, you're talking, I think, nearly 200 grand for the top spec version. Um, and then sensors. We're looking at sensors, which are probably the best part of 350 grand. So, yeah, unless you've got half a million quid kicking around, there's probably not a lot of flying to be, uh, not a lot to be earned out of flying a gyro, unfortunately. Oh, brilliant. Just I heard people talk a bit fondly. Which one was that? Uh, probably probably the um, Takano. <laughs> yeah. Um, Frigga, do you think the Jaguar's role in Desert Storm has been overshadowed by somewhat by the Tornado Buccaneer? Um, yeah, probably. Um, but the thing with the Jag is it can't carry very much and it can't carry it very far. Um, whereas Tornado's got a better weapons load, You've got a dude in the back. The Buccaneer can carry a buttload of stuff for a very long way quite fast. Um, so you know, the Jag's always up against it, and that's just a design. You know, they took a trainer and tried to make a frontline jet out of it. So, you know, it's unfortunate. Um, sorry, we're different sizes requiring ballast to create center. Different sizes requiring ballast to create center, center gravity. I'm assuming that's reference fuel tanks, uh, Ian Kamak. Um, yeah, you'd have to keep um, front and rear. So you had three, you had a center group and then you had a four and a half group. And then you had wings and drops as well. And you had to keep the fore and aft in balance. Um, otherwise, you there, there were some handling issues that you could get. Um, so what favourite multi-engine rotary types? Oh, God, you know, we, we don't have favourite multi-engine rotary types. <laughs> um, you fly helicopters too? No, I don't. Unfortunately, I'm not coordinated enough. Um, be nice to, but uh, you know, there's there's only so many hours in the day. Um, I have flown a Superlinks, um, sat on the uh, in the left hand seat because a mate of mine out there was going for a test flight, um, and he invited me to come along. Um, so yeah, I have flown it. wasn't that difficult. Um, uh, thanks for uh, patrolling coastlines, fisheries, and poaching options. Well, new P8 side and do anything like that. Um, I doubt it. I doubt the P8 will do anything environmental. Uh, the military don't really get involved in that. It's really NGOs. And um, well, I mean, it, possibly in the UK, they might do something like that for environmental protection, but unlikely because it's a very expensive asset. So, unless there is massive a massive environmental catastrophe looming or something like that. I doubt the P8 would get involved, but, uh, but there you go. Right. Okay. Good. Then Kip, I think the hour is up. So, um, yeah, I just want to thank everyone for joining in today and, uh, hopefully you enjoyed it. And if you do want to check out Kip, can you just tell us uh, where we can find your, uh, gyro site? Yeah, sure. It's, um, I'll just put it up on the chat. Actually, it's on uh, revolutiongyros.co.uk. Um, I'm just putting the uh, revolutiongyros.co.uk on the chat. Um, if anybody wants to go and have a look, feel free. Um, I do blog about some stuff about flying the gyro, and eventually, hopefully, when I've got anti-poaching stuff and things like that up, then that will make for a slightly more interesting read. So, um, yeah. And I have to say, 
Kip, obviously you might have seen the video, but if you get the chance to go up with Kip in the auto gyro, it's it's incredible. Um, and obviously with the next jag at the controls, you're in safe hands. So I want to thank everyone for coming up and Kip for giving up your time. It was That's obviously right. more than enjoyable. Cool. All right, buddy. Well, hopefully I'll see you again soon. Right. Thanks, everyone. And we'll see you soon. Cheers.